Hello and welcome to The Stack. This week's show has a distinctive lusophone soul. We speak with Mafalda Anjos, editor-in-chief of one of Portugal's main news weeklies, Visão. Plus, Russ Slater from Sounds and Callers, a publication specialized on Latin American music and culture. They also have their very own label, which launched an exciting new compilation with the new sounds of Rio. Enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. We start the show in Lisbon. I had the pleasure to speak with Mafalda Anjos. She's the editor-in-chief of Visão, one of the most respected weeklies in Portugal. She's also a commentator on CNN Portugal. The thing that strikes me about the country is that, you know, for a relatively small country, they have a thriving print industry, and Visão is certainly a highlight. A clever and nicely designed magazine They had a few changes earlier this year. Mafalda updates me a little bit more on all things Visão and the importance of subscriptions. Visão is the Portuguese leading weekly news magazine. It's kind of like a time magazine made in Portuguese to the Portuguese world. Actually, it's quite pretentious to say this, but time was our reference since the beginning, and we tried to do such great journalism with our means in Portugal. The, the magazine was launched in 93, uh, so it's, it's almost 30 years old. And it, uh, it had different uh, editor-in-chiefs. I'm editor-in-chief since 2016. And we try to do really accurate, independent, and uh, good, strong, uh, good old-fashioned journalism. Of course, we have also a digital, digital magazine. We, we have a, a site, and we are kind of a big brand which includes several other children let's say it like this uh, specialized titles specialized for instance in history in children in health in biographies so we have a lots of others vision titles uh, specialized in in certain areas And how important are those kind of uh, other brands for Visão? As you mentioned, you have História, Saúde, uh, Biografia, Júnior, Açores, Madeira and, and Surf. So, you know, there are a lot of brands. Uh, what do they add, uh, you know, to the main title? First of all, we started doing this because we identified that there was this uh, interest in the markets about these, these specific subjects. And for us, this allows us to target some niche markets and to follow some really engaged audiences. Of course, we all suffer from the same, uh, well, from the same evil, which is audiences in paper kind of shortening, right? And if you start speaking with really engaged audiences, like people who love history, people who are very much interested in health, or people who love to read biographies, uh, then you can speak directly to them, you can uh, give them good uh, journalism, and they, they keep on buying, and also they subscribe. And this is for us kind of a, a very, a very interesting love story, subscriptions. 
you know, Visão was uh, leading in Portugal since the, almost like the beginning of, of the story of the title. It was leading in subscriptions. When nobody was talking about it here in Portugal, Visão uh, made a very strong, and I wasn't working here either. I, I just, I think it's, it's a very uh, good example. Visão made a very big campaign trying to, to have uh, subscribers. And they followed this example of, of Brazil, actually, where Abril, you know, of course, Fernando Abril uh, company, and also very famous, and, and Veja magazine, another title, which started working very well, these marketing strategies to incentivate people to subscribe. And we followed that example, which we, we kind of studied, and some Brazilian guys, marketing guys, came to Portugal, and Visão started having thousands of subscribers, all uh, very interesting strategies since uh, the late 90s, you know, it was something that nobody was speaking about. So you have subscribers from Visão, from the paper edition, which are subscribers for 20 years. And, you know, friend, this is really interesting because people, these old subscribers, they feel that the magazine is theirs. They, they write to me. <laughs> I've been working in very different titles. I've worked in newspapers, economic newspapers. I've worked in Expresso, which is the leading Portuguese newspaper. I was editor-in-chief of the magazine Inside Expresso, and I've never felt something like this before, this close relationship that the, the readers have with the title. You know, they write, normally people write to, to editors complaining or trying to give you a story. And the subscribers of Visão, which are, well, a lot, even when they complain, they are, they try to make Visão a better product because they feel that it's theirs also. It comes you know, out of a place of love. <laughs> Yes, it's really interesting. I've never seen something like this before, actually. And we, of course, we listen to them a lot. We listen to them a lot. When we, when we work on, on Visão and we, when we work on changes or when we think about stories, we always think about subscribers first because now we have more people subscribing Visão than people buying on newsstands. And because they are our our trusted uh, readers, they they have this close relationship to us. And you know, there has been examples in the past when we changed things. For instance, I wasn't here either, but Vizon a long time ago, they the people in charge they took out, for instance, the the game edition, the crosswords, and uh, you know the games. And after a month, they realized that it was not really a good choice <laughs> because our subscribers complained. And we listened to this, of course. We listen to what they want and we think about them first. And so we were talking about these niche uh, markets and these engaged audiences. And since our, our readers and our subscribers, they are so engaged with the brand and they trust the brand and, and with the titles, when we launch these subtitles, like for instance, Visão Saúde, they subscribe even without reading the title. I, I find this almost, well, it, it, it's sweet, isn't it? When, when you trust so much a brand that this brand says, we are launching a magazine specialized in health. 
and this was even before COVID and before the pandemics, uh, but we, we thought that there was a market there. And they trust so much that the magazine wasn't available. It wasn't even uh, on the newsstands and we started receiving subscriptions. So this is really something that we must uh, try to do. And, and of course, not to disappoint these, these audiences and these readers that they trust the journalism we make and they keep engaging with the subtitles we are working on. And at the same time, you don't take things for granted. I know that earlier this year, uh, Visa went, you know, you change a few things here and there, editorially, graphically. Tell us a bit more about some of those changes and, and did it work? Uh, how was the reaction from the subscribers that you were talking about? Yes, well, uh, we did a, a redesign and also um, we changed some sections and some formulas inside the magazine. We didn't really work on something very re revolutionary. Uh, that wasn't our goal. Uh, mm -hmm. We did some revolutionary change back in 2016. We did some other changes in 2018. And now we find that there was this perfect timing to do some other changes. In respect of design, we we tried to make the design of Vision a little bit lighter, a little bit brighter. We changed fonts, not being so bold and not being so black and tried to make things a little brighter. But we changed uh, mostly, we introduced new sections and new authors. We try to introduce more science. Uh, we think this was very, this is very important. After the pande pandemics, we think that people, our readers, they expect to read a lot of scientific sources, of studies, but studies and sources that you can trust. So we try to, of course, we, we cover this a lot and we have this almost every edition, but we try to do this like, an obligation, let's mm -hmm. say this, and we have a, a fixed uh, section about science. We also did introduce a first person real life stories section, which is something that we've, we, we understood that when we published, people really loved it. And the reaction was great. You know, with these two sections, we, we received a very good reaction and again, readers writing to us and especially with these first person uh, stories. Uh, we felt so much engagement that we started receiving people trying to help these first person stories that we were talking about. And this is always something that we feel that it has impact when, when you feel that the society tries to mobilize in order to to help or to, to discuss this, these matters that we are introducing. So this worked really well. And we also changed the, the, the section of, of the magazine where we could find some uh, cultural suggestions and, and uh, hobbies and things to do. We introduced, for instance, more books and more podcasts weekly. Uh, we think that people that's, that keep on reading magazines, they like to read. So yeah. let's give them more books and more, more things to read and talk about this. Podcasts, this is a market that everybody's discovering. So let's start also giving them in a regular basis 
these subjects. And we also changed the way we, we give these stories in order to facilitate the readers uh, the way they, they find this in the magazine, because we had this cultural uh, section and then we had the uh, other uh, sections, which was, is called set, like seven, uh, where we give them all other kind of lifestyle and cultural issues. And sometimes you could find books in one place and on the other place. So we, we mixed everything together and we kind of facilitate life for the readers in order that when the readers find uh, things about books, they find it in the same place of the magazine and not, well, spread in very much different places. And I think the, the reaction was really good in this these new sections. And also we introduced some authors. We have a new uh, face for humor. We, we hired Joana Marques. She's a very well-known Portuguese humorist. Uh, she's a comedian. She's screenwriter. She's presenter. Uh, she's the author of, a, of the most listen to podcast in Portugal, which is called Extremamente Desagradável. It's kind of extremely nasty, if I'm, I can translate this. And, and she's really funny. She does a, a, an article in Visão, which is called Elephant in the Room, something like this. And she, well, she roasts uh, specifically one person, one politician, one public figure, which, uh, well, stood out for some reason in the week. And we also have reinforced or, well, made better the analysis in, inside Visão. We think that more than give, well, news, which is now something that you can find everywhere and also on our website on a daily basis, you have to have really good analysis. This is something that magazines must be strong at. And so we introduced some more authors. We, we reinforced the international uh, section with Bernard Pires de Lima. He's a, a very renowned analyst. He's associate researcher at this important university in Portugal. And this was also one, one other change. And we have, uh, when we speak about uh, these names that we invite to speak in, in Visão, we think this is also something really important for, the, for a magazine. And we have a fiction column every week, and we hired some three really good uh, writers. They are really well-known international writers. Mia Couto, for instance, is, is Mozambican and, and Portuguese-speaking author. We have José Eduardo Algalusa, which is from Angola and also from Portugal. So this is another author. And Dulce Maria Cardoso, she's a, I mean, she, I think she's the, the best Portuguese uh, writer alive. We also have this, this uh, section with her. They only one writes at uh, each week, but they, we, we enforce this. We, we have these brighter pages. And we, we kind of make this better because we think it's really important to find also these very good writers inside the, the magazine. And so this was uh, our main changes. And, and this redesign was, I think, was really well received. Let's see, it's, well, it has been six months now. Uh, so we are, there's not uh, much time going on, but the impressions were, were really nice.
Oh, fantastic. And my father, I was just going to ask, of course, you're based in Portugal. Every time I go to Portugal, I'm impressed. You know, it's a small country, but I think, you know, especially the print industry, I feel, I feel it's quite strong. I don't know, is there something particular about the Portuguese in terms that they actually like to read a physical, either a magazine like yours or a newspaper? Because I, I feel it's very strong, but I mean, you're based there. You can tell me better, perhaps. Well, I think I understand very well what you mean, because when you you go around Lisbon or any other Portuguese city, you still find lots of newsstands, right, mm. Fernando? You can see them everywhere. I've been in, for instance, I've been in vacation in the US uh, for about a month, and I've been in big cities like San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, and you cannot find newsstands anywhere. So this doesn't happen in Portugal. There are still newsstands. There is still this print, this print uh, segment, uh, which is strong. But, well, the difficulties are here, of mm -hmm. course. The difficulties are here. We feel this like everybody else. And there is this, uh, this flow to subscription that we've been talking about that still hasn't, hasn't been done so much. But we still have these specialized editions that people keep on buying on newsstands. And I, I think that this is something really, really interesting and, uh, and strong. But of course, there is the, the numbers are difficult. The business model is also difficult. There are tough times everywhere. And I think the, what cannot change is really quality journalism, counterpower journalism, good stories. This is the way everywhere. And this is what the Portuguese are, are also trying to do and trying to, well, survive this way. Thank you so much, Mafalda. Obrigado. And go and get your copy of Visão if you are in Portugal. From sunny Lisbon to sunny Rio de Janeiro now. Sounds and Colors is a publication, website and label that specializes on Latin American music and culture. Always worth a look if you're interested in the region. They have recently announced a new compilation on the new sounds of the city, from left field bossa to Brazilian disco. It's called Hidden Waters, Strange and Sublime Sounds of Rio de Janeiro. I had the pleasure to speak with Russ later, editor of Sounds and Colors. The latest is we have a couple of other music releases which are coming very, very soon, actually, including there'll be a vinyl as well by a Australian Cumbia band, which we're pretty, pretty excited to be uh, putting out. And also um, a Bolivian project, which um, is going to get announced very, very, very soon. So, um, so yeah, I guess that is the, the kind of new development. And also, you know, we're just... Um, carrying on with the website as as usual really which is um you know we have a huge team of uh, people from all over europe and latin america and north america writing about latin american culture so um yeah there's always uh, always lots of things going on on the website as well but these things these extra projects like the vinyl campaigns are just our chance to maybe shine a light on an artist or a scene that we uh, are pretty excited about and um 
yeah, it just gives you a way of kind of growing outside of, you know, just being a website, which can be um, feel, you know, like you're stuck on the, the web somewhere. Whereas with these, you know, vinyl projects, it feels like it gives us a chance to get our tentacles out into the real world or something. You know what I mean? Russ, remind me about your connection with, with, with South America again. Sure. Well, my connection really is that um, I spent a couple of years traveling around South America and just fell in love with the, the place and the people. And um, the longer I spent there, I've always been a massive music fan, but the, the more time I spent there and the, the more time I kind of stayed with people where they were playing kind of maybe some of their local music and I was getting to hear the things that were just slightly off the beaten path the more I realized just the, the amount of incredible music that was out there. And, and so after I'd been traveling, spending a lot of time out there, I came back to England and tried to research all these artists I found and uh, just couldn't find anything in English about, about all, this, uh, all this great music. So, you know, I started writing about it and um, that's where I got a very deep connection to, to South America, I guess, because the articles that I wrote got a really good response. And then, so I kind of kept digging and digging and finding out more and more. So. It's kind of come from that, from just that, really. But it's, um, I mean, yeah, even now it's 12 years since I started writing about Latin American music and I'm still finding out about new artists and new types of music and, you know, just meeting new people. And it's just been um, this great way of keeping this connection with, uh, with South America over the years. Well, then let's talk to one of my favorite cities in the world, actually, which is Rio de Janeiro. I am from Brazil, but from Sao Paulo which Rio is supposed to be my rival in a way, but I love it. Tell us about this new compilation, Hidden Waters, Strange and Sublime Sounds of Rio de Janeiro. It's an incredible compilation looking at artists from the city, which I always feel it's such a musical city. I mean, and the variety of genres as well. Sure. Well, yeah, so this was um, an idea that myself and uh, a guy called Joe Osborne had, who uh, Joe is uh, an editor at Sounds and Colors as well, and also has this really good site called Brazilian Wax. And yeah, we'd been writing a lot about music, specifically from Rio, like artists who were just coming up and starting to get an international reputation. Ana Frango Electrico being a good example, and Tiago Nassif as well. And we'd kind of been writing about them, and we were like, you know, somebody needs to, to start releasing this, this music internationally because, um, because it's so good. And the thing that made us... We kind of spoke about it, but the reason that it just seemed like a really great idea was because I feel there's a generation of artists at the minute who are kind of carrying on the traditions that we expect from, from Rio to some extent, but they're putting their own twist on it. So you can hear, we've got like 23 tracks on this compilation all by different artists. And you can, there's bits of Samba and Bossa and Tropicalia and, and all these sounds that you kind of expect from Rio, but there's this new energy that's arrived, you know, and um, it's come from this, this scene that, because I mean, the weird thing about Rio is even though you, ex you expect Rio to have this amazing music scene and all these things going on, in comparison to Sao Paulo, you know, where Sao Paulo has all these um, clubs and bars and music venues, in a way, Rio for a long time was a bit behind there. There was obviously lots of samba, lots of people playing on the street and the, the baile funk was there in the, in the favelas and so on. But in terms of like the music venues, there just wasn't good music venues for alternative music. And that kind of changed about 10, 12 years ago. A few, uh, a few venues started up where you could kind of, people could go and play every week, you know, to more of an alternative crowd that's maybe interested in indie rock and pop music, but 
kind of mixed with those styles that you expect from uh, from Rio with the samba and bossa and so on. So that's what was kind of really refreshing about kind of listening to all this music and why we thought it'd be a really good idea for a compilation because um, it has that connection to Rio, but then also it's this new thread of of Rio music, which um, you know is really kind of starting to make a name for itself and. Um, yeah, really, really, really happy with how this one's come out, you know, and uh, I think it should. Well, hopefully it'll be a revelation for people who give it a listen. And I like the, that you said the word refreshing because, yeah, sometimes, you know, I, I mean, I love samba and bossa, but sometimes there are surprising things that you wouldn't expect necessarily from Rio. For example, we have artists like, I'm a big fan of uh, Letrux, for example. She released a great album, quite electronic, Cassine as well. So did you knew all of those artists or you, you just went like a, kind of do some research? Were you surprised as well by some of the music you found? Oh, yeah, always surprised. There's some people making some crazy music in Rio at the minute, which, <laughs> I mean, we, we couldn't go too crazy with the compilation, I, I felt, but, um, but there was definitely a lot that, that surprised us. And I mean, we, we kind of knew a lot of them, but as, as you find with anything, if you look in one city and then you, you kind of keep digging and digging, you, you do find all this, uh, this other music that you kind of maybe didn't know about. So, so just trying to think, there's a band called Exocito de Bebes, which I really like, and so they were they were a new discovery, and um, they're kind of a indie indie pop rock kind of band, and also a new band called Rosa Beji, who were actually they're a slight misnomer on this compilation because they're from Niteroi. Almost within, <laughs> exactly. We've included Niteroi within the Rio axis, but I mean they're amazing because they're doing this kind of arty R and B thing, and they're they're quite different to some of the other stuff, but I, it kind of works, you know. They're I mean, the one the one thread I would say that we have throughout the compilation is that it's all music that's the that's, song based, you know, it's music that's got choruses and verses and there's kind of like a bit of emphasis on on, um, on vocal melodies and songs. We wanted to have a little thread that united all the songs. So they do all have that. But within that, yeah, you have like, you know, Cassine doing his Brazilian disco thing. And, I love um, it. <laughs> yeah. And then someone like Negro Leo as well, who's you know, just really, um, really kind of putting himself out there, quite provocative, you know, his vocals are quite, you know, very passionate. And um, he's, uh, yeah, coming from a different place altogether, you know, really, he's not a guy who's coming from the, you know, some of the artists are from, you know, the middle class or upper class kind of echelons of Rio society. But then you have other people who are just bringing this completely different energy, who are, um, you know, just haven't come through the universities and so on. And Russ, um, if somebody's interested to buy the compilation, I know it will be available as a digital album as well, but there are plans to have it in vinyl, which I think would be amazing because I think it looks good. I've seen the illustration of the cover. You know, it is a work of art in a way. Nice. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. So the idea is we, um, so we've launched it on on Bandcamp as a, uh, as a digital pre-order, but also we, we've launched this Bandcamp vinyl campaign, which is... Um, you know, if we sell enough copies on vinyl, then we get to do a, a, a pressing of the of the record, which 
it's always been our it's been our goal from the start really but it was just, just a, a way of of trying to make it happen and um yeah we've we've put a lot of work actually into the the vinyl so i really 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 hope it can happen i mean the art is by a artist called kyle paiva and um he he used to work with another artist and a photographer and they went out on guanabara bay and and took these uh, these amazing photos of uh, of the whole kind of scenery around Rio, and then and then we spoke to a couple of journalists who've written essays on the whole thing that I kind of touched on, but they've written it about it a lot more eloquently. But, but which is about this explosion of um, of music in Rio over the last uh, 10, 12 years. And so there's a couple of essays about that, and we've also just got lots of little quotes and and things from the artists themselves talking about each other's works because I mean one thing that we found about the artists in Rio was that a lot of the artists here are actually appearing on each other's records so they you know there's like someone like Pedro Fanchi who we've got in his own right but then he just drums on everyone's records as well you know so there's like this real sense of community so we wanted to kind of capture that so there's all the artists have um, have written a few words as well for the uh, for the compilation. So, um, yeah, I think I'm glad you 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 like the look of it, and yeah, it's a lot of work's gone into it. Obrigado, Russ. The compilation is out on the 18th of July. You can also go to soundsandcolors.bandcamp.com and help crowdfunding the vinyl release of the compilation as well. Well, that's it for this week's show. My thanks, as ever, to our editor, Nora Hall. If you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fp at monaco.com. And remember, we're back next Saturday at 10 a.m. London time. Meanwhile, you can always listen again at monaco.com or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And don't forget to subscribe to Monaco Magazine as well. Before we go, a little song for you. From the compilation Hidden Waters, this is Cassim with Relax. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. Thank you.